read this passage of scripture and then we'll come back through and, and look at it. This morning we're really going to be looking at what it is to, to pray and, and uh, really to seek the Lord and see what he has for us uh, in each and every one of our lives, in our daily lives. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Thank you, Landon. And let's read James chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 13. It says, if anyone among you suffering, if anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Prayer is a high and holy privilege. And I think many times and uh, I think many times that we can either take it for granted or we can take, we can look at prayer and maybe not necessarily take it for granted, but don't understand the full uh, privilege or effect that prayer could really have. The kind of power that we can have in prayer, communication with God, just clearly being able to communicate between us and holy God himself, of course, through what his son did for us on the cross, that we have access to holy God. And so prayer, again, I can't say it enough this morning, is a high and holy privilege that I pray that we could just tap into it this morning and understand what prayer should be and can be each and every, each in our lives, in every one of our lives and in, in, in every one of our, our days. And so, um, and really before we get started, I want to, I want to say um, we just need to give praise to the Lord this morning. What a great time of worship. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? And uh, it's okay to get a little excited in church this morning. I know I came out with the coat this morning and, and uh, look a little bit more uh, dignified than, than normal. But uh, I want us to be able to enjoy our time today. I want us to really be able to just praise the Lord and just thank him for all that he's, that he's doing. I'm very thankful for our pastor, someone that I call a dear friend, someone that I uh, am, am very proud to work alongside. And I, I'm just very thankful for Jake. Last week he came up and he's coming up now. I think he's already telling me my time's up. But anyway, Jake last week, you know, he, uh, you didn't know he got up here and he, he preached like, it was, like everything was okay and, and everything is okay personally, but, um, he had, was on call the night before and, and, uh, I just see the, the amount of work that he does for us and for our church. And so, um, even as we go into our week, I want to challenge us as we look at prayer this morning that we would really, really focus in this week and, and pray for our pastor. Can we commit to do that this morning? Amen. And are you thankful for your pastor this morning? Are you? All right. And let's just give the Lord a hand for what Jake, I mean, just his leadership and his love and his care for our church. Again, we're going to make you a, we're going to make you a happy, clappy church this morning, right? All right. So let's look at it. James chapter five and, and, and really just kind of dig into it. Like I said, the title of this message is really just prayer. And if I had to just a subtitle of it, just a high and holy, holy privilege, that's really what, what we want to look into this morning. And then let's look specifically real quick at verse 13. That's that verse 13 is going to be on the screen. And we've been talking every week for the last few months about working from victory. And so if you have, the first thing is if we, we have to understand that prayer is something very special between God and man and part of God's creation and, and not just everyone that God created because God created every man, but God is having this special communication with his children. Now I do believe that when a person who is a sinner and they cry out to God, that God absolutely hears their prayer. And God answers that, that place of salvation. We can look at many places in scripture where, of course, he does that. He did that for you and I, if you have a relationship with him. And so God communicates with his children, just as many of you in here are mothers and fathers, that, but 
And all of us grew up in a home where we looked to our authority, where, whether it was our, our parents or our grandparents that we communicated to, talked to, and they had that level of communication with us that we would listen, that we would hear. Uh, many of you, I was thinking about little Mav this morning. He was crying. And I guarantee you, Tracy, as she heard, maybe not so much Landon, but Tracy, as she heard that baby cry, she could pick that out out of the whole room, right? You could always pick out that cry from your own child. And so when it comes to scripture this morning, we're looking at prayer and that special communication between God and his children. And so for us, make sure we have a relationship with Holy God. And when you do that, when you enter into that relationship with God, he gives us something that can really goes without comparison. He gives, him, he gives us himself and he puts inside of every believer the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity uh, under, lets us understand who God is. It lets us, let, he helps us to understand how to pray. Even when we don't know how to pray, he helps us to remember things, scriptural things uh, in, uh, in every one of our lives each and every day. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. And so uh, Peter, not Peter, excuse me, James, he, as he looks at this and he's talking to these believers, he wants to make it very clear that, listen, we're going through life and we're, we're getting discouraged. And some of us are going through different trials and tribulations in our life. He says, this is what we need to do as believers. We need to make sure that we are all in a place of communication between us and holy God. And so that's, again, what he focuses in on here in this passage of scripture. Verse 13, it says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone is cheerful, let him sing songs. I, one translation says, as far as the suffering, it talks about affliction. And in affliction, it's talking about things that really come against you, things that really can wear on you and drag you down. And he says, when these things happen, that we need to, we need to pray to the Lord. And so there's a lot of things that afflict us. Maybe it's self-inflicted. Maybe it's self uh, things that are making us suffer in our lives because of the sins and the consequences of our sins that have now come about, come around to hurt us and that we find our place, find ourselves in a place of hurt and a place of suffering. And he says that we need to go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe it's because of someone else's sin, and we'll see that a little bit later as far as a nation. Maybe it's someone else's sin that has come against you, and you got to figure out, okay, how am I going to get out of this place of affliction because of someone else's sin? And he tells us that we need to pray. And so there's many things that could really find us in this place of affliction. So you this morning, if you find yourself in a place of, of being a place where you just, you just feel that you're drowning, that you feel like you just can't seem to get the victory because we're talking about working through victory, that we need to pray, we need to seek after the Lord this morning. And, you know, this is a constant reminder to me because we tend to worry. We tend to try to figure things out ourselves. And we, maybe it's making a list or maybe it's talking to someone and trying to hash all those things out. But the Lord wants us to pray. He wants us to go to him in prayer. And I, I love one of my favorite passages of scripture is in Matthew chapter six. And I'm going to turn over there right now and I'm going to read a few verses from Matthew chapter six is the Lord is the Lord speaking on the Sermon of the Mount. And he gets into a passage of scripture in, in Matthew chapter six in verse 25. He says, therefore, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life, or what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what, uh, what you put in on, uh, excuse me, put uh, on, what you put on your body. It's not your life, is your life more than just food and, and body served for clothing? He says, look at the birds of the air and, and, the, and neither the sorrow, nor neither they sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature. We go directly as human beings. We go into this place of trying to worry and trying to figure these things out. And God says, listen, you need to look to me. If you worry, if you get in this place of just uh, anxiety, of just trying to figure these things out, God says, God is telling us, Jesus is telling us very clear. We need to go to him, ask him. He goes, look at the birds of the air. Look at these animals that go through life and they find themselves being nourished, being taken care of by the, whether it's by food or by, by, the, uh, by the temperature, by the weather. 
and they survive each and every day. And God says, you don't think I know these things that are happening to the animals and how much more valuable are you than they are? And he says, so I will take care of you. And he says, he's telling them right now in this passage of scripture that we need to go to the Lord and consider these things. He says in verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field as they grow, neither they toil nor spin. And I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory uh, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, uh, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will not he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, I want to say this about faith and I want to say this about prayer. As you look at the father of faith, Abraham, we see I want to make a distinction here on these two. When God says something, God's going to come through. Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. He made Abraham a great nation. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. I want you to go over there. This is what's going to happen. And you're going to receive that. We're going to receive that land that happened. The same thing as far as God, when it came to Abraham, you're going to have a child. Abraham tried to figure that out, tried to try to do what you and I do, try to make it work on our own. And he made himself, he, he got himself in a real mess. And then God delivered, just like he said he was going to deliver. That's faith of God saying something in me living in that truth. God says for us as believers that we have already, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we have already obtained victory. Now for us, we see victory in different ways than God does. And for us, we know that we're more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ because of all the things that, again, that he has done and what he has in him. And faith is us living in that truth. When God tells us that, you know what, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. There's many times in our life that we felt left, we felt left abandoned and we felt forsaken. But God is bigger than our feelings, Right. He's bigger than our feelings. And for us, we know we can live in that truth because God said those things. Now, there's also other things that God tells us that we need to pray about. You know, uh, my, uh, we see people, people, I was going to go in one example, but I, I, I decided not to. But anyway, we see people all the time, whether they're suffering from cancer, whether they're suffering because of some other disease or some kind of other uh, sickness or ailment. Or we see people going through down this road and we tell them to keep the faith or we tell them to, you know, you need to pray and ask the Lord. And what which is it? We need to understand as we look at this passage of scripture this morning that prayer is us communicating with God. And it's not that we hope so enough or that we cling to something and believe it hard enough that it's going to come true. Abraham didn't just believe it enough that, God, you're going to make me a great nation. Abraham wasn't even thinking about becoming a great nation. God spoke it and then he lived in that truth. If God, when God told us to start this church, God didn't tell us that we're going to grow and we're going to be at the Methodist church two and a half years later. Uh, I wish he would have spelled things out for, the, uh, for us. I wish he would tell us in the next two and a half years where we'll be. That would be really great. We'll, we'll listen to that, right, Jay? We'll listen if the Lord wants to tell us that. But he has it. And so right now we're just praying and asking the Lord to show us, direct us of where he wants to go. But God says, do something. You just live in that truth and you believe in that and you see it come to pass. Now there's things that we're prayerful of, prayerful. If God tells us, I mean, wrap this up and then I'm going to move on. But, you know, God didn't tell us in the next, uh, before the end of the year that we're going to be worshiping with 500 people. I can pray for that, but I can't just claim it because it was part of my idea and I'm going to just walk in that truth. I'd rather walk in God's truth and not in my truth. I hope we understand that. Let's continue on in verse 31. I'm in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and he says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for the heavenly for your heavenly father knows what you need. All these things. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day in uh, is in its own trouble. And so he also tells us in this passage of scripture in the next one, in, the, in, in, this, in this Sermon on the Mount, he also talks about the number of hair that is on your head. 
Now, have you ever, you ever thought about that? I've said this before, uh, maybe a few years ago, but you ever wondered why God even talks about uh, the number of hair on your head? Do, do we even think we really care uh, as far as the number of hair that is on your head? And so the Bible tells us when he's talking about this worry and, and, and God says, you know what? I take care of the animals. I can take care of you. He goes, I know the little details in your life that you yourself really don't even care about. I know those things. I take care of you in, in every little way, shape or form. And he says, so even the things in your life in your life that are seem useless information, God knows about. So the things that really worry us, don't you think God knows those things? Don't you think God cares about those things in our life? And so he's telling us this morning that we don't need to add that worry or that stress to our life, that we need to take it to him in prayer. Let's go back to our passage of scripture in James chapter five, verse 13. He says, if anyone among you is suffering, anyone that is afflicted, let him pray. Let him go to the Lord in prayer. I always tell people, and I have to remind myself this all the time, at least give the Lord a chance. At least give the Lord an opportunity to do a work in and through your life. Continuing on in verse 13, it says, if anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. If someone is cheerful in, in a place of, of, you know, God has just brought you through that trial, at least thank the Lord for it. That's why I started out a little bit this morning and talking about uh, of our, our, our worship team and, and just how they lead us in worship. When we see that and experience that, I've never really been a, a part of it. I mean, I was thinking about it this week because somebody was talking about uh, the church that they go to. And I, well, I was talking with the pastor and he was just telling me, you know what? Uh, we worship the same and we do all those things the same. And, and I completely agree. And I got to thinking about just my entire life. And, and I'm very, very thankful for just uh, the, uh, the many churches that I've been a part of and, and the different styles of music. You'd be amazed at the, the number of hymns that I, that I know and uh, that I sing in my own private time. But I'm very thankful and honored that we get to stand up here each and every Sunday and worship the way we worship. And we need to learn how when we're in that place of worship and thankfulness that we need to learn how to say thank you. And we need to learn how to thank the Lord and thank those people who are doing those things each and every week. Just like uh, I was mentioning Jake and just him standing up here each and every week and proclaiming God's word to us and how many times we leave out and just take it for granted that someone is, is, is standing in the gap for us each and every week to proclaim God's word. And I, and I, and I think, and I have these conversations, this is not about me, it's about uh, our pastor this morning in this, in this conversation, but we'll talk about you. So if you want to know if your ears are itching through the week, you know, we're talking and just, you know, th this is what so-and-so is going through. And it's encouraged. I've been in churches where I've been in churches. I remember growing up, uh, me and the pastor's daughter would, would run around. Well, we would, uh, we would hang out. Hello, somebody. But anyway, we were really good friends and we knew the we knew the scoop on the whole entire church. We knew, uh, you know, everything that was happening. And so there was people being talked about, but not in a good way. But you're being talked about in a way of encouraging, encouragement and uplifting. And so because of that, we need to encourage those people as well. He says, so you're, you may find your place in a place of discouragement and suffering, affliction, and he says, you need to pray. You need to, be, you need to be in a place of seeking the Lord. Then on the flip side, you may be in a place of celebration and, and, and excitement and encouragement in your life. You need to spread that. You need to be able to sing psalms. It should, it should be a place of encouragement, not only to yourself and thanking the Lord, but also in a place with others and thanking them as well. In verse 13, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to move on. In verse 13, guess what? This is what's so beautiful about the church, us, the church, and the church in general, okay? Let's not forget, just a little side commercial, let's not forget that we're not the only church. Let's not forget that we're not the only church, not only in De Quincey, but wherever you are, we're not the only church, okay? But as you are around other believers, I think these two verses are mixed with each other is because Whenever I'm high, he may be low. And whenever he's high, 
and doing the things that the Lord wants, I may be low. And guess what? We need each other. Verse 13, you may be singing psalms and you may be suffering. You know what is great is when you're suffering and you're still singing songs, but isn't that tough? Not all of us are Paul and Silas in jail, in jail and, and we're suffering and yet we're singing songs. Okay. When we do that, you, you will see examples of how the, the doors will open and, and everybody's let free and there's freedom in that and there's, there's liberty and, there, and, 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 there's, and there's so much, there's so much uh, victory in that. But a lot of times we don't experience that and a lot of times we don't even give God a chance in that because we're not even praying to the Lord. We're not even singing psalms to the Lord during that time. And so I think 13 is really wrapped together in a beautiful way that we need to be found encouraging each other. Let's go move on to verse 14. If anyone, because uh, Tracy already said, we're going to get out just at the same time as everybody else is going to get out uh, this morning because I'm preaching. You call me out, I'm going to call you out, all right? Verse 14 says, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now listen, there's some things that we do that is very symbolic. There's some things that we do that is very symbolic. In the next few weeks, we're going to be able to baptize people. And, and we'll announce that in, in just a little bit. And so if you feel like you've ever made a decision for the Lord in that moment, in that very moment, when you cry out to God and you say, God, I'm open. And that invitation is open up to God. And, and you say, God, I receive you into my life to transform my life from the inside out. Right then and there, the Bible tells us that you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. You have been completely immersed with the Holy Spirit. He comes over and takes residence in your life, takes up residence in your life. And so what we do, very symbolic, is that we will then stand in front of our fellow believers and that we will proclaim what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in and through our life and what's already happened. And then we'll show that in believers' baptism. Very symbolic. Same thing we do with the Lord's Supper is that we will, we will take the blood as a representation of the, uh, of the, excuse me, of the body first of the Lord, just like he did. And then we'll also take a representation of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. This is another thing that happens in verse 14. It says that when we, when we are sick, we can go to the elders of the church. We can go to other people in the church and have them pray over us. He's talking about anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Oil in the Bible, throughout the Bible, it is a rep, it, it's, a, it's a picture, it's a representation of the Holy Spirit, of the oil, the Holy Spirit that could really transform and change what's going on in your life. It's for us to come together as believers. There's power in that kind of, uh, of joining together and praying. It's been some, I've seen it on in good and maybe not so good as we have, we have uh, anointed people with oil, have asked prayer in the church, and we, uh, the leaders gather around, the pastoral team, maybe the deacons, maybe the elders, and have come around and have laid hands on that person. There's no power in me or any other uh, minister to lay hands on someone, but just that authority that God has, uh, has given, that we do that in faith and asking the Lord and in prayer that God would heal that person of sickness. I've seen people that their lives have literally been changed from that. I've seen people that they have done that and prayed and been so faithful to do that. And God not so-called come through the way that the way that they hoped for or, or uh, anticipated. But the Bible says that we go to the Lord in prayer, that we ask him, that we seek him. Because I said this to my to my uh, children just the other day. Let's not forget that God is the one that made our bodies. God is the one that, and our body is so complicated. I mean, I think you would have to have more faith in believing that we just, just kind of came about from something than having to believe that someone created it, someone like God would create it and go to that kind of detail of our complicated body. So when our body goes sick and our body uh, falls out of place, that we could go to the Lord and ask him to heal us, to, uh, to, uh, to fix what he created. You would go to the creator and say, uh, God, as creator of my body, I'm looking to you to help heal my body. 
And so that's what he's talking about in verse 14. If anyone is sick, uh, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're coming together as believers to be able to do that. I believe that's very biblical, very godly. Uh, there's a time where it talks about the Lord's Supper. And uh, in the gospel, I mean, in the New Testament and uh, and Paul is telling them that some of you are sick and some of you are dying because of your ungodly living. They were taking the Lord's Supper very in, in a very vain way. In other words, they were coming and and instead of, you know, during the time of that bread, uh, they were eating real bread. Right. But they were coming hungry to church and they were filling themselves up on bread kind of like whenever you go to Olive Garden or you go to one of these restaurants and you fill yourself up with all the bread and then when your meal comes you can you know barely eat well instead of understanding that was the Lord's body and taking a portion of it they were filling up and then they were also coming in and they were drinking wine and then they were getting drunk off the wine in that in the uh, in the uh, Corinthian church some of you was like man I want to go to that church but no that's that wasn't a good example so they were taking the Lord's uh, Lord's Supper in vain. And the Lord and uh, Paul is telling that church, he said, listen, some of you are sick and some of you are dying because of your sinful behavior. And so for us, we may, may not be coming to church in that way and doing the Lord's Supper that way and eating and drinking the way they were. But some of us are sick because of our own lifestyle. Uh, you know, there's there's churches that say the only reason that you are sick is because of something sinful in your life. Listen, there's many things that we've just come in contact with and that you get sick. I'm not saying that this morning, but sometimes the Lord will use sickness in our life to get our attention for us to see that there's something happening in my life that I really need to pray and ask the Lord for forgiveness for. And so for us, we need to always look inward of, Lord, what are you doing? And I think this supports this case in verse 14 a little bit later on when he talks about uh, if, if, you, if you're sinning and you're sick, then you need to confess your sins to other people and you also need to confess it to the Lord and you will be forgiven. And so many times our sickness, things that are happening around us is because of our sinful behavior. Let's move on to verse 15. And in verse 15, he says, and the prayer of faith. Is, is what saves, it, it will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And these two verses, 14 and 15, I think, go hand in hand when he tells them, listen, if you're sick, you call for the elders of the church, you pray, and we're coming together as believers in the prayer of faith. A faith in what? The faith, your faith is not in that this is automatically going to happen because I prayed. But my faith is, listen, I believe so much in God that God can do anything. I don't know why this past week, but I, I was I was reminded of the story of Lazarus. And I'm not sure uh, what I was hearing it from podcasts or just a conversation. But the story of Lazarus. Is is a quite an interesting story is because when whenever uh, Lazarus's sister tells Jesus well, it's too late. He's too far gone. If you would have come here earlier, then you could have saved my brother. The Jewish people believed that the spirit lived, uh, stayed over a body for three days. That once the three days was over after a person had died, then their soul was, it was completely done away with where they, they, there was no hope for that person to be revived back to life. And so Jesus waits after the three day period. And the old Southern gospel song says when, when he was, when he was three days late, when he was four days late, he was right on time. And so the Lord put it in a situation where all hope was gone. And yet on the fourth day, Jesus comes and raises Lazarus from the dead. Now he may not raise Lazarus from the dead as far as whatever your Lazarus is in your life. And it may not be exactly raising him from the dead, but I'm praying in faith to the Lord because I know that even from as big as a deal as life and death or any circumstances in my life, God has the power to change those things. That is where my faith lies. My faith lies in not that my circumstances is going to look exactly like I think it will, but I serve a God that can change any of those circumstances. God has the power to do those things. That's why I pray and look to him in that place. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
And so it's important for us to always constantly ask the Lord, and the next verse is going to support this as well, that we need to ask the Lord for forgiveness constantly in our life. It doesn't take much throughout our day for us to sin. And you want to know how close you are to the Lord? Like how really, really close you are to the Lord? When's the last time you just kind of unloaded to the Lord and just confessed some sins to him? And how long is that sinless? Meaning that if it was yesterday where you just confessed it all to the Lord, that laundry list, that dirty laundry list is really short today. But if it's been two weeks or it's been since Christmas or it's been since last Easter, it's been a long time and it's long. It's long, it's long, it's long. And what's nice is you, you know, you may have to blanket a lot of it at this point to catch up as far as confessing those things to the Lord, the more you can get honest and open, the more the, it, you, that, that wound is just opened up, ready to heal. And then you can keep it on a shorter list. Go through your day. You, the old song used to be count your blessings, name them one by one. Also count your sins, confess those things to the Lord so you can be clean, so you can hear from the Lord, that you can walk righteous in the Lord. And that's what he's encouraging us to do, to constantly ask the Lord for forgiveness of our sins in our life. And we'd be cleaner, clear hearing and understanding of what God is trying to do in and through our lives. Let's look at verse 16. Last verse, and then we'll, we'll give an example of verse 17 and 18 of what the Lord is talking about here. In verse 16, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let's look at that first part in verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another. Now, I do believe in the rule, open uh, sin, open confession. As much as that hurts, as much as uh, those things are, are not pleasant to go through, if you have sinned publicly, it's important for us to repent publicly. If you have sinned privately, it's important for you to repent privately and deal those things to the Lord. I can give some examples, but I'll stay away from it. If you have a bad thought about someone, don't go to them and uh, share those private thoughts with them. Now, you'll, then you'll end up having to do it publicly anyway because you've uh, really made a mess of it. If you deal with something, uh, if you're in a mess with something and, you, and you, it's between you and that person, don't bring it up before the church. Bring it up before that person. Deal with it. Don't have to go through the, and when we're talking about all this, we're talking about a church in, in the time of James where they were dealing with church discipline where they were dealing with things the right way. And it's important for us when you're dealing with those things that you go through the right steps in order to get there. And so they're going through the right channels and they're saying here that it's important for us to confess our trespasses to one to another. If there's something that I'm dealing with with you, that we would get those things right between you and I. And you know what? He also tells us, he says, even you know things that privately I think that we're dealing with just as on a friend level that we would have someone that we can go to privately on things that we're just personally dealing with. And I want to say this as a, just a little quick commercial. One of the things I think that really Satan and our mind really puts us at in a very negative place is that we all get on these individual islands. We come together at church today, but we're all many times can still be on this little place of an we're, we're by ourselves, we're on an island. And when we sin and we do things that are ungodly, uh, Satan in our own minds too will put us in a place that nobody else is going through those same things. That nobody else will understand. And I'm telling you, we all go through things in our life. And many of us are going through the same exact things but our own minds have a way, our own fleshly minds have a way of putting us on this island that no one else would understand. And people would look at me differently if I were to confess those things to other people. Have people in your life that maybe, hopefully, that you even go to church with, doesn't have to be, but that you have the confidence in them, that you can go to them and share those thoughts, share those private things with them that 
can really make a difference in your life. It'd be very freeing, a very uh, place of accountability for you in your life. But he tells us here in verse 16 to confess your trespasses to one another. And now let me say this as well. It's important for us that when we, you know, we say this, we put ourselves on this island that there's really nobody else for us. Everybody in church that I've just, the many, I'm going to be 40 years old this year. I've never not been in church, so I've been in church for 40 years of my life. And I've experienced this almost every day. That nobody feels, everybody's waiting for the other person to make the first step. Everybody else is waiting for the other person to make the first step. And we look around in ourselves and, and we can look and say, and even for myself, I can come to church and, and put, my place, put myself in a place where I just come, go to my seat and leave out. And I'll think as, as I leave, boy, you know, if I don't go talk to people, they won't come talk to me. And I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've seen it. I've felt it myself. As someone that likes to talk and, and likes to communicate, uh, communicate and shake hands and hug necks, boy, I can get myself even in that place as well where I'll leave out and say, man, you know, only so-and-so talked to me for this particular reason and even diminish those things. Because everybody's waiting on everybody else to, to make the first move. And let me tell you something. When we arrive here at church, we need to make sure that not only we say hello, but maybe we say something a little bit deeper. And then when it even gets outside of church, that we really remember those things that people tell us as we're communicating with them, that we really start to develop relationships with each other. That we would take it upon ourselves if we all start making that first initial step towards the other person. Yes, we'd get to the place of confessing sins, but we'd also get to the place, first and foremost, of just even feeling welcome. And, and, you know, I know many of you in, the, in this room, if not all of you in this room, and some of the most friendly people in this room that I've, that I've ever met. But it won't come across until we all take that first step when people come in and make sure they understand and see and experience that friendliness. Allow that to happen. Take that first step. The Bible tells us in the, in the book of Proverbs, if you want to be a friend, Excuse me. If you want to have a friend, you must first show yourself friendly towards them. And so for us, we've got to take that first step in, in, in everybody else's lives. In verse, continuing on verse 16, and it says, and pray for one another. I can tell you that, you know, I, I, I think of people in my, that I have come across in my life that I feel like are real prayers. And I don't mean that they were called upon at church to pray and had this great distinguished prayer that they that they prayed. But I just knew that they they prayed each and every day, that they were praying for me, that they were praying for other people. And we have a powerful tool to be able to really pray for one another. It says and pray for one another uh, that we get so just caught up in our own daily routine. We get caught up in, in our own self that we don't get outside of that and we don't pray for one another. I mean, we, we have the power to go to God and communicate to God about someone else. What a high privilege. If you, as you text your pastor this week and you tell him, you know what, I'm praying for you. What a privilege that is to have that thought at that moment at two, on Tuesday at nine o'clock that when Craig Neal texts you and he tells you that I'm praying for you to know throughout his whole busy day that he stopped because the Lord put you on his mind at that very thought. What a powerful connection. You know, we have so much satellite signals and, you know, one of the things that, you know, uh, some of you on your cars will have this, will have this satellite view of, the, uh, of a, a complete, all the way around your vehicle of a camera That'll show and it's bouncing from the car to satellite back down. It's amazing technology what they do today. For us, when we're praying for one another, we're talking about heaven communicating your name and your need back to you. I mean, what a powerful thing that we have in prayer. And so we need to make sure that we're praying for one another. He says that you may be healed. We're going through things of different kind of healings. It doesn't have to be cancer. But it can be. It doesn't have to be marriage issues, but it, it can be. 
It doesn't have to be job situations that we're going through that, that we know that we're afflicted, that we're going through in our lives. But those things can be healed because of prayer. And he says, and finishing off verse 16, what a powerful state, statement. Of course, he's talking about mankind here. Uh, he says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And there's so much power in our prayer. To know that we can talk to holy God on a personal level and that he hears our prayer, that he wants to answer our prayer. There was something I was reading of a devotional the other day. And, and I try to do this a lot because I think the Gospels do a good job of it. I think the Gospel does, of course, does a good job. It gives us a great example of this. But he constantly gives us in relationship uh, in, in the Bible as far as man, parents, with, uh, with their children. And he constantly gives the comparison between not only parent, good parents to their children, but also how God is to his children. And so and when I was reading into that devotional, it was saying, you know what? When I go on a trip and I leave my family, my kids are not there in a place of wonder. Uh, is my daddy coming back? Is he even my daddy? Uh, is he going to be disappointed with me when I get back? You know, and just so on and so on. You think about how you think about God. And we're talking about even when we have trials and temptations in our life, even though God tells us in this word that he won't tempt us, but there's trials and testing in our life. When God is putting those things and those obstacles in front of us, he's not saying, I want to see that guy, I want to see that gal fall flat on their face so they'll finally look up to me. No, he's wanting us to learn through every one of those circumstances, even through very, very difficult times, that we can trust him and trust his heart, that he's not wanting to harm us, but he's wanting us to grow closer and closer to look like his son, Jesus Christ. And so for us, we know that we serve a God that is not wanting to harm us. He's not wanting us to be in a place of wonder, even when it comes to our salvation. And he's not wanting us to be in a place of wonder. Can God help me through this circumstance? Absolutely he can. And he wants to. He wants to serve in that capacity in our life. And I pray that we would be people of faith, but would be a people of prayer that we could see God's hand move because we're really trusting God in and through just our daily lives. Let's look at this example in, in verse 17 and verse 18 and we'll be done. All right. Can we at least agree on that this morning? Right. Already. Verse 17 and verse 18 gives us a great example in the Old Testament. In first Kings, you want to go back and read it later. We're not going to go through it today. But in first Kings, chapter 17 and verse and chapter 18, we're going to see the life of Elijah here. And Elijah, the Bible says, was a man. I love this. I'm glad the Bible does this because we can so many times we can put people on these great pedestals. Maybe it's people that you that live around you. Or maybe it's pastors uh, or maybe it's people that are in the Bible that will have their lives and such on a pedestal that is unrelatable to us. And in verse 17, it says Elijah was a man with a, a nature like ours. He was just like you and me. There was nothing, uh, you know, uniquely different about his body and his mind and his makeup. Yes, he had a calling from the Lord. Yes, he was a prophet, but he was a man just like us. He tells us here in this verse 17, Elijah was this prophet of God. And he says that he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. He starts out. There's so much wickedness in that kingdom. King Ahab, Ahab and also uh, old Jezebel and herself, uh, uh, there was so much wickedness going on in that time. And Elijah prayed. He says, you know what, God, to really get their attention, I'm going to ask that it would not rain on the earth. And there was a reason behind it. It wasn't just a man. You just saying, you know what, I'm going to try that and see, you know what, I'm just going to have enough faith. And I'm just going to say, God, let it not rain for the next three and a half years. You know, I don't see I don't see God answering that prayer. But for the nation, as we're looking at this as an example of other people's sin and as a nation, but I think very specifically even for us today, if we sat out there and we just prayed that God let it not rain for the next three and a half years to really get this nation or really get our people on their knees praying for you, uh, there was a reason that God had done this for the nation of Israel and Elijah. And so it happened. He prayed and for three and a half months, three and a half years, there was no rain on the earth. And so people began to get really desperate 
very concerned about what's happening and, and saying, you know what, what is, you know, what's going on here? What needs to happen? Elijah was there proclaiming that you need to worship holy God. The problem is they were worshiping Baal. They were doing exactly what Baal wanted to do. That was the God of that day. And so Elijah's like, no, you need to serve holy God. And the people finally, once this, it came to a, a place, it, it came to this climax in this story, in, the, in this time of Israel, where, of course, it was a place of drought. You, many of you probably heard the story of how Elijah really puts them to the test and says, listen, I want you to fill that altar you know, put, put all the best things there as far as what you can do and ask Baal to light the fire and, and go ahead and just ask Baal to, you know, your God and light the fire. And they, and of course, you no, know, nothing happened. Elijah even gets very playful with them and says, you know, maybe your God is sleeping and they, they begin to start cutting themselves and really trying to do things. And you say, well, that's, that sounds crazy. But you know, when you think about sometimes when we do it in our lives and we see this world, they're, they're pulling that and they're, they're pulling out every stop to try to get what they're trying to do uh, to accomplish something. And it doesn't. It leaves them empty. It leaves them void. There's nothing there. And, and people go to the extreme, just like these people, cutting themselves and trying to wake up their gods. And we, we find, themselves at a, find themselves at a very empty place. And what Elijah does in that moment, he, he not only uh, has his stack of wood there, but then the Bible tells us that he'll take Precious water. You got to think at this point in time, three and a half years of drought that, uh, of no rain, that water is probably one of the most valuable things that they had. And he takes water and he throws it on top of his fire, on top of his wood, excuse me. And he asks God to, uh, to really send down rain and the Bible tells uh, uh, fire from heaven. And he does. And it lights the fire. In other words, it was, should not have been able to even come close uh, to catch it on fire. And God likes to take it, of course, with circumstances look completely out of the way and, and look completely dim. And God will come through. And Elijah prayed that fire would come down and fire came down from heaven and lit that, uh, that wood on fire. And the people saw that God was a true God. Now, Elijah, just to show you how human he was, that he called down fire from heaven as God not to let it rain for, for this period of time. And yet, if you continue to read in the book of First Kings, the next time you see him, he's uh, after a different circumstance, he begins to run from Jezebel, asking God to kill him, asking God to take his life. Because isn't that just like our life to show you how human Elijah was? He's on one day on the mountain singing psalms and calling fire down from heaven. And the next time you see him, he's in the valley, he's in affliction. And that's why we need each other. And to know that we, no, no matter through the highs in our lives or the lows in our lives, we always need to look to the Lord. And in verse 18, to finish it all off, he says, and he prayed again, Elijah did, back to that story, and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. And so what's so great about this, what's so great about this is that Elijah was a man just like us in that circumstance where he asked God not to let it rain. He asked God to call down fire from heaven. And then he asked God to begin to let it rain again. It's a great story in the Old Testament. And what does that do as James is almost wrapping up this entire book? He is telling us it's that important for us to trust God, to pray, to seek the Lord in and through our lives, not only for ourselves and our families, but also for our church family and also for our nation. He's telling us, even for, just like Elijah, for our nation, that we need to be praying for our nation. Maybe it's not all the social media posts uh, for ourselves or for other people or for our nation. Maybe it's us going to the Lord in prayer. There's so much more that can be done in our prayer closet than on our social media page. And so it's important for us to just seek the Lord in and through our daily life. And so I'm done this morning. I just want to conclude by saying, again, prayer, how powerful it really is. I pray that I pray my prayer is that we would be in a place of constant communication to the Lord, that we really seek him in our lives. Can we commit to do that uh, today? Can we commit as we go out this week that we'll really trust the Lord? And how if you think about your thought life this week and as you go about your day, as soon as something, some kind of situation is going to come your way. Instead of us always just running to our solution and us trying to figure it out, 
that we serve a God that is there waiting and listening and ready for us to just ask him. He wants to hear from us. He wants to help us through those circumstances. I pray, can we just pray to give God, a, we just, I pray for you, pray for us that we would give God a chance through every one of those circumstances in our life. And the, and the last thing is, can we please be a people and a church and a community that we would not only do that for ourselves, but that we would do that for others? How strong and how powerful we could really be if we took that first step towards every, to, to each other and really reached out and prayed and lifted each other up. We, it, would be, it would be crazy to think of what God could really do uh, in and through our, our, our body here and through our work if we would really start to lift each other up and, and encourage one another in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. And we praise you, Lord God. We thank you so much, Lord God, for, for what you've done for us on the cross, what you, have, what you have laid out for us, Lord God, that we could have a relationship with you. And Lord, I know we didn't talk a lot about it this morning because we were dealing with Christians and how we ought to live and how we ought to uh, pray and seek you. But I think about those this morning, Lord God, that maybe there's someone in this room today that looks and, and thinks about those things and, and, and understands that they really never entered into a relationship with you. That, Lord, as far as that place of communication with you, like there's, there's some understanding, there's some knowledge of you, Lord God, but there's not that relationship. There's not that place of really being able to, to pray and to seek you, Lord God, and for you to answer those prayers. Maybe they've never seen that in their lives. And I pray this morning, Lord God, they would understand and see because of your spirit showing them their need of a savior, their need of this relationship. And I pray today, Lord God, that they would pray and ask you, just simply ask you and open up themselves to you to receive you into their life and ask you to forgive them of their sins, Lord God, and to really place their faith and trust in you. And as believers today, Lord God, as we, as we take this message and we go through our week, I pray, Lord God, that we would be in a place of surrender to you, that we be in a place of, Lord, as I go through these things with my, my, my marriage and with my parenting and my job and everything else around me, that I would seek you, that I would allow you to really work and move in and through my life. And as a church, Lord God, I pray that we would be a people that would take that first step, that we would want to be there for each other and love on each other and be the church that you would want us to be. Your word tells us that the love that we have for one another is what really transforms the world around us. And I pray that we would show that today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.